Welcome to Parenting Decoded, a podcast for practical approaches to parenting. I'm Mary Eschen. When you have a child who refuses to read or is delayed in their reading compared to their peers, it can be very stressful for parents as we try to navigate the what-to-dos and the why-is-this-happening-to-my-child thoughts that constantly run through our minds. The same stress can hit us when our kids don't want to write. And then again, if they start falling into the I hate school mode, which really tears us up. Having learning differences can contribute heavily to this stressful time, but knowing what to do and what resources you can employ in your home and in your child's school environment can make a huge difference. This is why I've asked Dr. Victoria Waller on my podcast to provide you with ideas for getting to those resources that your child needs. She's recently released her book, Yes, Your Child Can, Creating Success for Children with Learning Differences, in which she's poured her 40 years of experience working with and studying learning differences in children. It's an invaluable resource, and I want you to know all about it. Dr. Waller, welcome to my show. I'd love for you to welcome. tell us a little. Uh, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your journey and the book and and you know how parents can really grab onto ideas of dealing with and even diagnosing learning differences with their kids if they're worried about that? Well, I have, as you said, worked with children for over 40 years. And I have found that children do not have disabilities. Some children, in fact, have loads of abilities. And so I wrote my book, Yes, Your Child Can, Creating Success for Children with Learning Differences. And I know because I'm the one who's taught thousands of children. And I personally think and know that they're geniuses of our time, just like Anderson Cooper, Richard Branson, Simone Biles, the astronaut Scott Kelly, and many more. And I have found that every child can learn and become successful and happy if we diagnose them early, we get them help when they need it, and most Importantly, this is really important, we use their strengths and passions to teach them. Too often we talk about what's wrong with children when we should be talking about what's right with them. It's very interesting. A child came to me the other day and I said to the mother, what are some of his passions? And the mother just went, "Um, he likes to do stuff on the computer. And I said, anything else? And she said, well, Legos. I thought, okay, so when he came to me, I bought a little $5 Lego set and he put it together in two minutes and he goes, I put together 10,000 piece Lego sets. (laughs) I went, what? I said, I can't even put together a little one. I said, how could do you read? He said, no, I can't read. He said, I don't know how to read. I look at the pictures. I said, but looking at the pictures and following directions, talk about executive functioning. I mean, he could do it. And I love sharks. Ah, I know the biggest shark expert in the world, Chris Fallows. You just happen to personally know the biggest expert. (laughs) Absolutely. Because my students all like it and I ended up meeting him on a trip. Uh And anybody (laughs) I meet, if he has anything interesting for my students, (laughs) I get hold of them. Oh, yes. Good. And he interviewed him like a real TV interviewer. He dictated the sentences to me, okay, because he couldn't really write and he wasn't really reading. But he re- the mother could not believe he read he read t- and he asked the questions because they were his questions. So he remembered what he said. 
very smart child with learning differences. And I ended up teaching him to read because we talked about sharks and we did all kinds of interviews. It was fantastic. But my book is different because I'm not a medical doctor. I have every ADHD book there is. You open the book and there are pictures of a brain. I close the book. Every parent that I've worked with a child with differences, they have all the ADHD books, all the learning disability books. They open them up and it's medical. My book is a step by step and I use a child's strengths and passions. And I start with early intervention when you have a gut feeling. Something just came out from understood.org and I was very upset. 48% of parents believe their child will snap out of it. And 33% of educators think these kids with differences are lazy. This is the saddest thing in the world. And it's interesting because the medical doctor, Dr. Ned Hallowell, who's a very big writer and a, a doctor, he said to me, Vicki, we have a lot more work to do. And I hope my book will help parents to see if you have that gut feeling, this is what you do. What is the step-by-step? What is testing about? Parent came to the door and I opened the door and she was like, she looked like somebody had died. She said, they want to test my boy. They say there's something wrong with his brain. Mm-hmm. Well, he was going to a neuropsychologist to get a test. I talk about that. What do you do when you're taking the child? How do you prepare the child? How do you prepare the person who's going to test him? You talk to them before and talk about your child and what they like. What if they say, go on medicine, okay? I have a chapter on getting past the fear of medication. Hiring the right person. I just met a girl, she's 32. Her second grade teacher took her as a tutor all the way through 12th grade. She was this brilliant woman, but she loved teaching second graders. But she knew all the stuff that she had to teach this kid in 9th, 10th, and 11th, and 12th grade. And she said, she saved me. So find that person that will help your child. The team is important. Usually at the school, they'll have somebody that maybe is the specialist. Maybe they'll help you. You'll have the tutor for your child. It's not going away. You need to get help and you need to get the child help early. Well, and, and I what think you do. I think the, let me just say the oh, end sh- that you will do it with strengths and passions. If you use that little thing, that's what's going to help because the child, I'm telling you, I never met a child with learning differences that didn't have something that they were passionate about and some strength they had. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I was going to add just now. If like some of the interventions that I see are boring interventions, well, I guess we should be doing more flashcards. I guess we should be doing more, you know, like this kind of rote memorization. And um, we were talking earlier about an example of how you um, worked with a class, um, a a fourth grade class who didn't know anything about the United States. And you you ignited their passion for different, um, by thinking just outside the box. And I just think that a, a lot of classic, Things that we that we might have grown up with where flashcards worked for me, and maybe it worked for my brothers and sisters or something like that, but my own kid, I might have needed to be a Lego mom. I might have needed to engage in their passions. My other son um, was a sports guy, and igniting yeah. this, the passion for sports in him as opposed to his brother, um, I just— 
think that our, it, you know, my, I'm based in Silicon Valley and there's so much academic focus and a lot of academics translates to boring memorization. And I love how in your book, you talk about igniting those passions and tying learning to the passions, not learning to boring things that they need to know. I, you know, and sometimes the parent has to do that because they may not be getting it in school. Right. So the parent has to use that. This one boy who came to the door started my whole journey. I had him when he was seven and the principal told the mother that he was not smart. And maybe when he grew up, he would work at McDonald's. This is what a principal said to a mother. Okay. Sad. And I kept saying he is brilliant in my class. He would make projects and he would use clay and do claymation. He would do claymation and he would direct at seven years old. He would direct everybody of what to do. So he came to my door and he was six feet tall. I said, who is Vic? He said, Dr. Wallace, Dexter. I went, Dexter, you were really little. He said, I wanted to thank you. I've received two uh, master's degrees, one from Yale, one from Clark, one doctorate. And now I have another doctorate. I said, are you in the film business? I mean, what did you turn out to do? He said, I did what you said, and I followed my passion. I said, what's your passion? Trees. I said, what? (laughs) Trees? Trees. He now, he just wrote um, a review of the book for Amazon, and I cried. um, It was just beautiful. He is an expert on trees. He writes books about it, the environment, and he is one of the experts in, in the country because he followed his passion and what he wanted to do. I think, I think what happens is, and, and I'm a parent, as a parent, you're so upset that your child maybe isn't learning or isn't doing something that you're not thinking about what they can do. And they need, children succeed when they have strengths and you use those strengths to teach them or at least to do it with them after school. Like get them involved in sports, whatever they're good at, so that they can feel good about themselves and then get them help, get them help. And um, people always say, oh, my child doesn't enjoy learning. Can I tell you something? I've never, ever met a child who doesn't love learning about something. There is always something that it's not just... Everybody says, oh, they like the computer. They like the iPad. No, no, no. If you really ask them down deep what they like, like trees, who would have known that he, yeah. that he liked trees? Yeah. Uh, teachers can bring creativity into the classroom. They could just think a little bit out of the box. A child loves space. And on my computer, it comes up Hero X. Okay, that's some company. <laughs> they were having a contest on creating a toilet for a spaceship. I called them immediately and I said, I have elementary kids. She said, oh, no, no, it can be five years old and up, can can create this. I said, well, are you going to give them, they can't win a $50,000 prize. She said, well, no, they wouldn't win. I said, I want you to call your boss and find out if my little kids, five, six, seven, and eight, if they enter this contest, will you give them a certificate that says they entered it? I have to tell you, they went into my garage. They had all my junk, you know, old boxes, old um, milk bottles, uh, everything. In literally a half hour, each child knew exactly what they wanted 
their poop machine that was going to go on the on the spaceship. It was hilarious. All you have to say is the word poop to children. They think it's hilarious. <laughs> they made spaceships and they made a poop machine. How the because the poop, if the if you poop on a spaceship, you have to close the top fast, otherwise the poop flies around. So they made it with oh, they used all these things to make the poop go out into the atmosphere. It was amazing. But it's things like that. But you're thinking that, outside the box, like you said. Yes. And, and I mean, first of all, I have a lot of ideas in my book, but children have ideas. I have a child. I love entering contests. And she entered, do you know the sweetheart candies we used to get in February? Yeah. And it said little things on each one. She entered a contest on put put a name on one of the candies. And if you win, it gets put on the candy. She won. She put pugs and kisses instead of hugs and kisses. And the next year, her her little heart was in all the boxes. <laughs> pugs and kisses. I mean, do you know what that does to a child when they win some kind of contest or when they make Hero X? We got these fantastic spaceship, you know, certificates saying thank you for your wonderful. And meanwhile, it was so hard to do. I have to tell you, we had to videotape it. They had to write, write. These were little kids, write how they made it, where the poop went. But for them, it was very easy. They told me and I typed it because a lot of them couldn't write. But it was very funny. They knew exactly how it worked. Mm -hmm. So don't think that your child in school or your child at home can't do something creator be creative because they can, but they have to have this junk. I call it junk, the junk to do it with and the freedom, the freedom to express. That's well, important. And I also want to get back to something that I read in the book that I was happily surprised at in the you know, a kid's self-concept gets eroded away when they feel like, I can't read, I can't read, I can't read, or I can't write. And that's why oftentimes it devolves into, I'm a bad student, I hate school. And one of the things I loved in your book was how you talked about reading and writing. Have, reading can happen on a baseball card. Reading can happen with an audio book. Reading can happen in comic books. I remember when my boys were in like second and third grade, just, you know, trying to get more into reading. All of every boy in the class wanted to read the comic books that were in the library, every single one. And the school limited the comic book selection at that school to be a very small set, but the kids still liked it. You know, they still went to those limited set of co comic books, but there people look down on that. And it's like, I love how in your book, you give parents the freedom to like, you know, audiobook is okay. It's still reading. A comic book is okay. All of those things. I have, um, I know of a family who had, their son was into anime from a very young age all the way through high school. And the parents are like, oh my God, they're just into anime. Oh my God. They were so mad about it and felt that it was uh, not good. And it's like, he's in college now. He's doing fine. And he had anime as his passion that helped get him through the tough parts of, of elementary and high school. And um, I just think, I just love how you unlock the freedom to parents to use other modalities than just like, you have to go read Tom Sawyer. You have to read, you know, some book that they, the kid finds really boring. It's funny. One of the children, he loved, it's another one where the mother couldn't tell me 
what the child was good at. She had a list of what he couldn't do, but she couldn't tell me. And and he loved um, he loved whales and whales. That was one of his things. Which there a lot of the kids like animals, but he liked whales. And it was just last year, a year ago, where the lobster fisherman was caught in the whale's mouth. I don't know if you know. This was on the east coast. It was amazing. I, the whole thing was amazing. And I called him. I'm telling you, if you have Google, you can call everybody. <laughs> I called him and I said, would he be interested? Would he please be interviewed on Zoom with my student? He said, yes. And the student wrote questions and interviewed him. And it was fascinating. I mean, he was in the whale's mouth and he knew that his heat, his uh, breathing thing had come off. And he was that aware that he knew if I don't get that breathing back on, for sure, I'm going to die. But it's not a shark because it was baleen. So he knew it was a whale. All of that went through his mind in 40 seconds. And then the whale opened his mouth and spit him out into the water. <laughs> but it was, and this child who couldn't read or write, he was like a real TV interviewer. I like doing interviews. I really yeah. like that. Yeah, they seem because to really the kids, be successful with your students. Well, now we have Zoom. Oh, so yeah. you could talk to somebody. You talk to somebody on the East Coast. You just have to watch out the time. But I mean, you can talk to anybody now. People are really nice about that. Um, the book, um, the Treehouse books, um, and I love Andy, Andy Griffiths, and he writes the Treehouse books. And he will text my children or he sends them one little girl made a treehouse. And he said he wrote to her and he said, your treehouse was better than anything I've put together. Can you imagine being a child <laughs> who thinks they're not smart, doesn't do good in school, isn't that great of a reader, and she reads his book, which is an easy read, but it's thick, but it's an easy read, and then she writes to him, and he writes back and says that she's better than he is. Mm -hmm. That child wrote in a paper, I'm going to cry, she wrote, it said, from school, write five things about yourself. She wrote, I'm smart, just like Vicky says I am. Oh, I mean, so what better thing? Because she had that interaction and the person told her she was smart. And Andy Griffith said, this is better than anything I could make. That changed her whole look on who she was. It yeah. was just fascinating. And when that happens, when that clicks and the child thinks, yes, I can, then they start learning to read and write. Right. Yeah, I you know, with the right help, of course, you know, yes, it has to be the well, right it's, help. It's so inspirational. And the the other in your book, you talk about different resources you could gather. And some of us aren't in a situation to be able to afford those resources. But in your book, you talk about how you as a parent can gather some of those resources and be that resource person for your child and just giving you guide guidance on what it is that you could do to be creative. I, you're the end of your book where you have um, some information about how to get the most common, what, hundred words. And you, you have some really useful um, help that parents can do themselves. I, you know, I, I can't recommend the book enough, especially if you're worried oh, about thank your kid you so much. being, you know, behind and things like that. I think, I have to agree with you that every kid has uh, the ability to learn and being patient Listen, enough is to get there. You know, it's another I was <laughs> another challenge. thing I was thinking about that I've been doing. There's this I I've been doing cuz I'm from Detroit and I'm Motown. <laughs> I do everything with music cuz everybody loves music. 
and I have to find the song. The song the children love this year is called I Don't Know About Bruno. I don't know. It's the worst song <laughs> I've never heard in my whole life, and I love music. And they all sing this song. Well, so I get the song. I print it out. Okay. And one of the kids said, Dr. Waller, it's going to, it's, oh, he said, Dr. Waller, that song sticks in my head all day long. I said, well, I went through, it has every skill a child needs. It has blends, digraphs, suffixes, capital letters, periods, <laughs> question marks. And all I did was for two weeks, I went, okay, you're going to learn these things because the teacher's talking about digraphs. You don't know what they are. And we took the words out of, I don't care about Bruno. Yeah. Parents can do that. They know what songs the kids like. If the kid is home and he doesn't want to do his blend paper, you know, some boring ditto sheet, just take out Bruno if they like that, you know, or any song they might like. Kid, all kids like music. They like the songs, any of the, you know, movies that they've seen. Yeah. Well, but, I, and it, it's just engaging <laughs> I mean, that, them. Yeah. That again is being creative. And one of the things that I, I think that we as parents, um, sometimes are afraid to ask the teacher for the permission to allow our kid to use a song for their writing assignment or their reading assignment or something, you know, to tie in something more creative. Um, and our kids just have to grin and bear it. I remember my son being in middle school and the teacher assigned the entire grade was reading the most boring book from that's 150 years old or whatever. It's like, I'm sure there was some valid reason to have it, but everybody was bored with that book. And it's like, Okay, if you have a kid with learning differences that you can't push through that, which, you know, my son eventually got pushed through it, but um, it would have been much more enjoyable if we could have picked a book and worked with the teacher to say, hey, you know, I want to encourage my kid to read instead of having them hate reading. And, um, you know, some teachers are not going to let you, but I think it's worth asking. And um, that's right. You know, it's funny. They're very funny about that. A third grade teacher, I sat in her room observing. Oh, she sat at the front on a stool. She was so boring. I could not just reading out of a book. And the kids were all drawing and doing stuff at her their desk and stuff. And I thought, how is he going to get through this? Because he was very smart, had learning differences, but which all of them are very smart. Yes, all of them are, because I've seen thousands. And he's the one that got strawberries. He picked strawberries to do. Okay. And I, he wanted to do the roller coasters and, um, cause that's what he loved. And I wrote her a note and said, could he just do roller coasters instead of strawberries? She said, yes. Now I have to tell you what <laughs> I like want surprise. my child. Would I want my child in her room? No, she was boring. But you know what? She was a solid teacher. If you give a teacher, just say, gee, he really likes cars. Could he write it on cars? Could he? Do you know what I mean? If you ask nicely, maybe they would do it. Listen, maybe teacher won't do it. But this teacher, she wasn't a creative teacher. But if you asked her for something like that or wanted, she was fine at saying, okay. So I didn't, I can't really say I didn't like her because I liked her because she said, okay, do what you want. You know, she didn't care. I just want you to do a report. You have to have paragraphs. And so, you know, in that way, it's very hard for a parent to go in, I think, and ask a teacher to change something. It is very difficult. There are some teachers that are very open, 
but there are some that are not. And if that happens, then you have to find those things that your child likes at home and get in contact with the fishermen. You go on Google, you can find anybody's phone number. Your child likes, you might not be able to find like a base. I've never found like a baseball player or anybody like that, but I've found authors that the child likes. They will reply to my students. I have found, you know, anybody that's in the news, like doing like Robert Ballard, Robert Ballard found the Titanic and my student was in first grade and he loved all the books on the Titanic and the te- I taught with this teacher. Oh my gosh. And she made it a statement. Okay. Everybody has to come dressed as literary tea day. And she looked at him and said, Josh, don't you dare come dressed in anything from the Titanic. So I get a call from the mother. She says, I'm devastated. What do I do? I said, well, if you go to the principal, the principal's going to go to the teacher and you're going to be in trouble. If you go to the teacher, she's probably going to say no. And she's, I know this teacher, she's going to not be very nice to him. The day of the literary tea comes and I call, what did you do? I kept him home. I went, what? (laughs) She said, I knew I would get in trouble if we went to the principal and this teacher would drive him crazy. And then Titanic, what? So I said, we're writing to Robert Ballard. And we wrote to Robert Ballard. And Robert Ballard said, Josh, follow your dreams and don't let anybody talk you out of them. And this child is now applying to college and he's writing his letter that you're supposed to write about somebody important. He's writing about me, his little first grade <laughs> reading teacher. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Well, because, awesome. I mean, can you believe it? Robert Ballard was amazing. Now it was one of those things I found him on, on the internet. Yeah. So it just so happens if you can do it or you can find the person that your kid really likes, or, you know, I have a parent, uh, the kid loved cars and on the weekends he would take him to car dealerships. I thought that was so funny. (laughs) He would go to Ferrari. He liked those fancy cars, Ferrari. He would go and they could sit in the car and he took pictures of them and all that. I mean, what a cute thing. It doesn't cost anything. And your kid loves cars. Yep. It's very interesting. Parents yep. can do a lot of that. They think they can't, but they really can at home to build the confidence and make the child feel good. Or if they have differences, you get a tutor or an ed therapist who knows what they're doing and does work with the child's strengths and passions. Not their, they're not, They say, oh, he's disabled. Don't go to them because they're not disabled. They have differences. And I've known... There hasn't been one child that I've taught, I've taught thousands that were not smart. They were all smart and they had that passion or strength that I worked with to teach them. Cool. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for writing that book. I'm gonna put the Thank link to the. Much. I'm gonna put the link to the book and in my show oh, notes great. and your website as well. You have other information there too, um, parents. I hope you've enjoyed this interview as much as I have. Feel free to reach out to me if you need other resources as well. But thanks for listening to Parenting Decoded, and have a blessed rest of your day. Thank you so much, Dr. Waller. Oh, thank you for inviting me.